be seated if you take your copy of God's Word, and you may already have it marked if you were with us last week. If not, you'll want to mark it. Uh, Romans chapter 8, as we continue this series that we're calling, We Are More Than Conquerors. We Are More Than Conquerors, Romans chapter 8. On June 12, 1979, a young man made aviation history when he flew a pedal-powered plane across the English Channel. Now think about it, pedal power. A pedal-powered plane across the English Channel. He took off from England and he flew for three hours, rarely getting much more than 15 feet above the water. Now think about that. You can see him out there over the water, about 15 feet above it, pedaling along, flying along, 
Finally, after covering 22 miles, he landed on the coast of France and he was exhausted. Can you imagine pedaling for three hours? But you're not just pedaling. You're pedaling a plane trying to stay above the water, hoping you can make it to the other side. How much better is an engine? A power beyond ourselves that we don't have to exert all that energy. Uh, An engine that can do what we are incapable of doing. But you know, that young man who pedaled across the English Channel and fell exhausted is a lot like many Christians. They're trying to live the Christian life in their own power. Pedaling as hard as they can, as long as they can, and growing very weary and not making much progress at all. And what they need is a power greater than themselves. They need help. And beloved, the good news is we have such a helper. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now, don't misunderstand. The Holy Spirit is not a power. He gives power, but He's not a power or a force. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person. And we should refer to Him as a person. He is fully God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the great three in one, the Trinity. You say, well, I don't understand that. I don't either. We take it by faith. The Bible teaches it. And we know the Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit indwells, resides in every single believer. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit has taken up residence within you. In fact, the Bible says, we'll read it in a moment, that if you don't have the Holy Spirit living in you, you are not a Christian. That's what it says. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not a Christian. And so the Holy Spirit is not just a power or a force. That's not what He is. He's a person, but He does empower us. He does strengthen us. He does help us. Sam Shoemaker said it this way, Think of God and His invading, energizing, vitalizing, renewing, enlightening, convicting, and strengthening aspects. And you'll come somewhere near the Holy Spirit. Now, you don't have to be a Christian very long before you realize that something has changed in your life. The Bible says if any person's in Christ, they become a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all of a sudden, you have a desire to do right. You want to live for God. You want to please God. But the truth of the matter is, you don't have to live a Christian life very long before you realize that you are going to struggle. You have a desire to please God, and yet it's very, very hard. And Paul experienced the very same thing. In fact, you're in Romans chapter 8 right now. But I want you to back up just one chapter to Romans chapter 7. And I want you to see the struggle that the Apostle Paul had when it comes to living for Christ. Look at chapter 7, verses 14 through 25, and see, and see if you can relate to what Paul writes here. Romans 7, beginning at verse 14. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold to understand. For what I'm doing, I, don't, I do not understand. For what I will to do, what I want to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that is in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. Verse 19 says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil that I will not to do, that I practice. 
Now, if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So he has a struggle here. Verse 21 says, I find in a law that evil is present with me and the one who wills to do good. For I delight, in the law, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am! You understand what he's saying here? I want to do right, but I end up doing wrong. I don't want to do wrong, but I end up doing wrong anyway. And I'm struggling. And he says in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? But he doesn't stop there because verse 25 says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with this, the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. David Jeremiah noted that many new Christians are shocked to discover that life as a believer has more challenges and more temptations than that of a non-believer. He says it's because where there was only the carnal nature present before, now there are two natures present and they're in opposition to one another. The believer is caught between two opposing forces. In fact, Galatians 5.17, I have it on the screen, says it this way, For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In other words, you thought that when you... Some people think before they get saved, I get saved, everything's going to be easy and I'm not going to struggle with sin anymore and I'm going to do right and I'm going to live right and it's going to be an easy path. Then they get saved and they find out that things are actually harder now. Because they want to do right, but they fail. And they don't want to do wrong, but they end up doing it anyway. And, and they're convicted and they go back and forth. And this is why we struggle in the Christian life. Because there are now two natures. And we struggle with temptation and sin. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's why we need the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is talked about again and again here in Romans chapter 8. And we looked at last time, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Now today, we're going to start at verse 5 and go down to verse 11. And as we read, I want you to notice the contrast between the flesh and the Spirit. The flesh and the Spirit. Alright, let's look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So you see there's a contrast there between the flesh and the Spirit. Talks about the flesh, talks about those who are in the Spirit. 
When you're reading that passage, when you're studying this, think this way. When you see it talking about the flesh, think about those who are unsaved. When you see it talking about the spirit, think about those who are saved. Unsaved people and saved people. This passage is contrasting those who know Jesus and those who do not know Jesus. And in verse 5, where he talks about minds there, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things in the flesh. Don't just think your thoughts. It has the idea of a mindset. A mindset. Uh, there's a fleshly mindset and there's a spiritual mindset. He's talking about, as one noted, our whole mentality, our likes and our dislikes, what we respect and admire, what we want out of life, what we aspire after. It includes our affections and our mental processes and our will. In other words, when it talks about mind there, it's who we are and what we're all about. So we can have a fleshly mind that is a fleshly mindset, or we can have a spiritual mind or a spiritual mindset. So what I want to do in the next few minutes, I want to show you five things that are true about the saved person and then five things that's true about the unsaved person, the flesh and the spirit. And so I want you to look with me here. If you're taking notes, it should be pretty evident as we go through. Let's talk, first of all, about the person who is saved. So if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this passage says some things about you you need to understand. First of all, if you're a saved person, it says that you are spiritually minded. You're spiritually minded. Look at verse 5 again. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but, contrast, those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now remember, it's not just your thoughts. It's your mindset. It's your life. It's what you're all about. It's a description. Your whole mentality, your bent, what you're tilted toward, your likes, your dislikes, what you expect, what you admire, what you want out of life. And the Bible says if you're a saved person, you have a spiritual mindset. That is, you consider God. When it comes to your mind, your thinking, your thoughts, your will, your emotions, everything you do, you consider God. Life is no longer about just you and about self. There's a spiritual dynamic now in operation. Now, I'm going to go through these quickly because we're going to go through five for the saved person and five for the lost person. So, number one, if you're saved, you have a spiritual mind. That is, you have a mindset that considers God. Secondly, if you're saved, it says that you have life and peace. Isn't that wonderful? Look there at verse 6. You have life and peace. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Before we came to faith in Christ, we were dead spiritually speaking. We were dead. But now because we received Jesus Christ, we've been made spiritually alive. Before we came to Christ, we have no peace. But now that we've come to faith in Christ, we have peace and joy because we have life and peace through Jesus Christ. So we're spiritually minded. We have life and peace. Thirdly, it says we're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't want you to miss this. We're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Look there at verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, notice, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ... He is not His. If you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you. Write this reference down. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Here's what it says about you, Christian. Or do you not know that your body is the temple 
of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you're not your own. For you are bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You have the Holy Spirit living in you. Think about that. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thought. And the Holy Spirit is living in us, working in us, to make us more like Jesus Christ. He's working to produce fruit in our life. You may know the passage, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And so it reminds us that while we are here still in our bodies, we're not perfect. We still fail. We still struggle. Paul struggled. Paul failed. We all do. But God is working in us to make us more like Jesus. Where we are unkind, He's he's working to make us kind. Where we're not gentle, He's working to make us more gentle. Where we don't have self-control, He's working to bring about self-control. Where we don't suffer long and are patient, He's working in us to do that. And we have to have the Holy Spirit working in our lives. We're not out like you know the guy over the... Uh, water there, pedaling along on our own, trying to make it, because we're going to crash. We're going to drown. So we've got to have the Holy Spirit working within us, and He is working in you. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Fourth, interesting, if you're a Christian, you're dead but alive. You're dead but alive. Now, some of you look dead, but anyway, uh, that's okay. You're still alive, you're still breathing, but the truth of the matter is you're dead but alive. Look at verse 10. See what I'm talking about. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. You say, what do you mean? What does he mean by that? Well, listen, when it says that our bodies are dead, our bodies are dying. Every day we grow closer to death. Isn't that an exciting thought? Our bodies are breaking down. Our bodies are decaying. Our bodies are not what they used to be. And it says our bodies are dead. The Bible teaches there are three types of death. I'll give it to you real quickly. There's first of all, spiritual death. Ephesians 2.2, Colossians 2.13. Spiritual death. That is, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. That's what God meant, you know, when you, when you eat of the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, you'll die. Now, they were still alive physically for a time, but spiritually they died. And any person who does not have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, spiritually speaking, they are dead. That's one type of death. Secondly, there's physical death. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. We know that if, unless Jesus comes first, everybody in this room is going to die. We're acquainted with physical death. It's a reality of life that we're going to die. So there's spiritual death, there's physical death, but there's a third type of death the Bible teaches, and that is eternal or the second death. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. And it talks about that those who have rejected Christ will be thrown into the lake of fire forever. And this is the second death. Now we're talking about Christians. As believers, we have been delivered from the first kind of death. We're no longer spiritually dead, we're alive. Furthermore, we have been delivered from the third type of death. The eternal death, the second death, that is the lake of fire. But as believers, we've not been delivered from the second type of death. We are still going to die unless, unless we're alive when the rapture happens 
And we will be delivered from that. And so spiritually, we're alive. We're delivered from hell. But we still face physical death. But we're alive spiritually. How? Why? Because of the righteousness of Christ. Look again there at verses 3 and 4 we studied last time. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so we are delivered there. So, so far, four things that are true about the saved person. Let me give you number five. We will be resurrected. And here's the good news. You may die physically, but you're going to be resurrected. Look at verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He does if you're saved, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If you die and your body is buried or whatever done away with, one day there's coming a time when you're going to be raised, perfected, glorified. So what happens? This happens. It doesn't matter. God will bring together the physical body. He's going to change it. He's going to raise it, perfect it, glorify it. And I'm looking forward to that day, aren't you? No more sickness, no more pain, no more crying, uh, no more, um, no more a heartburn, uh, no more heartache, uh, no more any of that stuff, no more crying, none of that. Perfection. You're never going to look at the mirror and say, whoa, what happened? You're going to look and say, whoa, look what happened. That's what it's a difference, right? You're going to be resurrected and glorified and perfected. I'm looking forward to that day. It's a glorious sight. It's a beautiful sight. And so the believer, I just love this. We're spiritually minded. Our whole life, our mindset, we're, we're considering God now. It's not about us. It's about the Lord. And our life is that way. We have life and peace now. We're no longer spiritually dead. We're alive and we have peace and joy. The Holy Spirit's living inside of me. I'm dead. I, I may be dying, but I'm more alive than I've ever been before. And even if I do die, He's going to resurrect me. What a glorious thing. But the sad thing is, there's the other part of the Scripture. See, this is the spirit person, the spirit-filled person. This is the spiritual person who knows Christ. But there's the fleshly person. Let me give you two of these real quick here. We look at the unsaved person, the one who lives according to the flesh. And the Bible says, according to verse 5, that the unsaved person is carnally minded. Remember, it's a mindset. It's what that person's all about. And the unsaved person is all about the flesh. Look at verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds to the things of the flesh. And so the unsaved person is all about the flesh. That is fulfilling the desires of the flesh. Not living for the Savior, but living for self. And you have to remember something very, very important. When it comes to the fleshly person, to the lost person, to the ungodly person, it is not just those who are axe murderers we're talking about. Many lost people, fleshly people, are nice, they're generous, they're kind, they're good neighbors, they're good citizens, they're generous, they're gracious. In fact, can I just be honest with you? Some lost people are nicer than some Christians. Did you know that? I'm just being honest with you. But the truth of the matter is, if they don't have Jesus Christ, they are lost. They're fleshly and their whole focus is upon self and fulfilling their desires and living for this world and living for that which does not matter. So don't ever get in your mind this whole idea where well, that person is nice, they must be saved. No, if they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, 
It doesn't matter how nice they are, gracious, kind, whatever. They're lost and they need a Savior. Because the second thing we learn here is they are dead in sin. Look at verse 6. For to be carnally minded, fleshly minded, is death. Notice it doesn't say will be death. It says it is death. Currently. You see, if a person does not have Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they're dead in their sin. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says it this way, but the natural man, a lost man, does not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. And so the lost person is dead in their sin, just like all of us at one point. We were dead in our sin. And it even gets worse. Because verse 7 is a very strong verse. They're not only carnally minded and dead in sin, they are an enemy of God. Look at verse 7. It's a strong verse. Because the carnal mind, mindset, lifestyle, is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. We've got to realize that a person whose life is all about themselves is an enemy of God. One writer said it this way. His basic inclinations and orientation toward gratifying himself, however outwardly religious or moral he may appear, are directly hostile to God. Even the good deeds unbelievers perform are not truly a fulfillment of God's law because they're produced by the flesh for selfish reasons and from a heart that is in rebellion against God. Why? Because a lost person is rejecting God. And he cannot fulfill God's will, God's way, God's law. He's ultimately rejecting God's Son. And you're an enemy of God, it says. And all of us live there at one point. Which makes the gospel and the grace of God so marvelous to realize we were enemies of God. And the Bible says that yet while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Picture, if you will, us are shaking our puny little fists at God. God looking down in pity, saying, I love you. I'll give my son for you. And he takes us from being an enemy of God to being a son or daughter of God and an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. The unsaved person is carnally minded and dead in sin, the enemy of God. Furthermore, it's important to remember this, that the lost person cannot please God. Look at verse 8. So then those who are in the flesh, not talking about the body, talking about the fleshly mindset, the lost person cannot please God. Even the good things that they do don't ultimately please God. Why? Because the Bible teaches that everything is to be done for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And the lost person is dead in their sin and they cannot please God because they don't do anything to the glory of God. They cannot please God because they're not in Jesus Christ. Which brings us to the fifth thing. And that is they are not a child of God. Look at verse 9. The second part again. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that is the Holy Spirit, he is not his. Now, they may... Say, well, you know, I'm a creation of God. And they are, because God created humans and God created all of us. And so they might say, well, I'm a child of God by creation, but they're not in the family of God 
by the new birth because they reject Jesus. Spiritually speaking, they are not a child of God. They do not have the Holy Spirit living in them as a result of the new birth. Therefore, they're lost, they're condemned, they're dead in their sin, and they're destined to spend eternity in a place called hell. You say, well, I don't like that. I don't either. I don't either. It's much more pleasant for me to focus on the first part of this message than it is the second part. It's more fun to talk about salvation and glory of heaven and all the things, perfected body, and we can shout, hoop, and holler, but the reality is all of us were there at one point. Every person who's a Christian today, that was a description of your life before you came to Jesus Christ. And, and, and that should make us so grateful for the grace of God and the glory of the Gospel. And, and furthermore, just because we doesn't like it, we don't like it, doesn't mean it's not true. And so it is true. It's the Word of God. I read it to you. And so what do we do with this? I mean, what do we do? Well, I think, first of all, if you're not a child of God, if you don't know Jesus Christ, what you need to do today is repent and believe. Turn from your sin, because that doesn't have to be your reality anymore. You don't have to remain dead in your trespassing. You don't have to be destined for real. You don't have to be under condemnation anymore. You can turn your life over to Jesus Christ. He'll forgive you for your sin. He'll make you a child of God and give you all these glorious things if you'll turn from your sin and put your trust totally and completely in Jesus Christ. And you can move from condemnation to no condemnation. And so if you don't know Christ today, I encourage you to flee from the wrath to come. Because the Bible is very clear that those who reject Jesus will be cast into a lake of fire. But if you are a child of God, I think two reminders are in order today and we're done. We think, consider all that we have studied today. First of all, we need to walk according to the Spirit. That's what it talks about in this passage. So what does that mean, preacher? Well, it means this. It means you obey the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. And by the way, can I just remind you, the Holy Spirit leads and guides you primarily through the teaching of this book. And He'll never guide you to do something against this book. You can't stand and say, well, the Bible or the Holy Spirit told me, no, if it goes against this book, you're wrong. The Holy Spirit's the author of this book, and the Holy Spirit knows this book, and the Holy Spirit guides your life primarily through this book. And so we don't walk according to the Spirit. That means we allow Him to control our lives. We give our lives to Him day by day. We obey. We yield to the Spirit's working. As He impresses upon our hearts things that we ought to do, we obey. We walk according to the Spirit. He has our best interest in mind. He loves us. He has our good and God's glory in mind. And when you consider all that He's done for us, we should delight to do His will. But there's a second thing. And I don't want you to miss this. And don't just kind of check out and say, well, I know that. And that is this. We need to reach people with the Gospel. Because every person who does not have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they're dead in sin. They're lost. They're condemned. They're an enemy of God. And they're destined for hell. And God has chosen us. Why, I do not know. I mean, wouldn't it have been more effective to ride it in the clouds? To have an angel come? Or whatever? But he says, no, I want you. You are my ambassador. You're my plan. God wants to use you and me. And He will. 
know, one of the most amazing things when you look at the Scripture is to see the men that Jesus chose to be His disciples. You and I would have walked right on by most of them. But those are the ones that He chose. God delights to take weak things and ignorant things and things that people despise. He delights to use those things. Why? Because when He uses those things, He gets the glory. And you can be too powerful, too smart, too intelligent, too proud for God to use, but you can never be too lowly, too humble, too ignorant for God to use. In fact, God delights to use those. So I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. You will walk according to the Spirit. You obey the Spirit's leading. You trust Him to guide your life. See, He's called us to be a messenger. We cannot save anybody. As much as I want to, I cannot save anybody. I can't even save myself. I'm desperate for Him. So I have to humble myself and come to Him and receive Him as my Lord and Savior. And everybody has to do that. And He's called me to be a messenger. He's called you to be a messenger. And we're just to share the message. And when we're rejected, they're not rejecting us, they're rejecting Him. And when they accept the message, it's not because of us, it's because of Him. And the Holy Spirit's the one that does the work. And the Holy Spirit's the one that brings that person to faith in Christ. And the Holy Spirit's the one that empowers us. And the Holy Spirit's the one that gives us the courage to open our mouths and share the Gospel. And we need to share it like we've never shared it before. We're living in a world that's very, very quickly becoming very hostile to us. Hostile to our faith. Hostile to our beliefs. What we hold true. We have a decision to make. Are we going to live for Christ and do what He's called us to do? Or are we going to backtrack and backpedal and soft talk and just, just ignore it? No. Now is the time to preach the Gospel. To do it in love, with compassion. To realize that people are lost and need a Savior. And Christ died for them. You know, I told you at the beginning of this, Romans 8 is rich. In fact, I'm finding it personally more rich than I even realized. And we haven't even scratched the surface. But here's the truth. Whoever you are here today, if you don't know Christ, you need to repent and believe today. And if you do know Christ, you need to give your life, control of your life. Say, Holy Spirit, guide me, direct me. Do it on a daily basis. Yield to Him. Let Him guide you. Let Him direct you. It talks about being filled with the Spirit. It's controlled by the Spirit. And then... Preach the gospel. Say, well, I try to live it. That's good. You've got to live it with your life, but you also have to use your lips. You've got to share the gospel. Look for opportunities. Pray for opportunities. And when they present themselves, don't be shy, don't be bashful, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, speak up and share the good news that Jesus saves. Let's pray. Father, we thank You today for Your Word. Thank You for the glorious truth, Lord. Thank You for delivering us from death and condemnation and being an enemy of Yours and living in such a horrible way for self. You've rescued us and made us children of God. And I pray, Lord, if anybody here listening to my voice right now does not know for certain that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior, I pray that You'll bring them, draw them by Your Spirit Bring them to saving faith, just like you did last Sunday. Would you do it again today? And then, Lord, for those of us who know you, may we live for you, not in our strength, but in the Spirit's power. And would you use us to share the gospel with those who are far from you, who need to know you as Lord and Savior.
And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 439. The altar is open. We invite you to come. Out of my bondage, sorrow, night, Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. If you need to come and pray today, we'd invite you to be saved today. We'd love to help you. If you want to come and pray for a lost friend or loved one, they're lost, pray for them. Come pray today. You come. 439, Jesus, I come. Let's stand together and sing.